Welcome to Knitter Square. I'm your host, Leanne Hunt, and I hope you'll pick up your knitting and spend the next little while with me as we share that warm, fuzzy feeling that comes when we knit and crochet for charity. Hello, everybody. This is episode 16 of season two of the Knitter Square podcast. I'm your show host, Leanne Hunt, and I've got with me today my daughter, Tammy, who is uh, presently staying with me. She lives in London, and uh, it's all very exciting to have her to come and stay. So um, we're going to jump straight into the interview, and we'll uh, have a lovely discussion about all sorts of things pertaining to Knitter Square, and uh, she's going to tell you her impressions of what we saw today because we visited the barn. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's really good to be here. I so enjoy listening to all the episodes and especially being far away when living in London. It's really nice to hear about what happens at the barn and being able to see the connection between kind of what happens on the Facebook groups that I see in the UK and what actually happens on the ground here. So it's really exciting to be here today. Well, absolutely. And I know that you've been a member of the Knitter Square UK Facebook group for some time. Yes, absolutely. And I think I might just be the only non-knitter on the group. <laughs> um, your mother, your other daughter, Laura, and my sister all knit. And I seem to have not picked up the gene. I've tried many times, but I'm not very good. So full support of knitting, but I haven't yet caught the bug. That's okay. <laughs> it's there, There's lots of time yet, and I'm sure, <laughs> sure you will at some point. Now today we went to Knitter Square because I had to take some squares in and I had finished a blanket that I wanted to de deliver. But I also wanted you to, to sort of familiarize yourself again with the barn and all the volunteers because I think it was about maybe 18 months ago when you were last here or even before that when you last came to the barn. Yeah, the last time I went to the barn was two years ago. And I mean, it's really great to see how things continue on because it's such a complex process actually we get a lot of um, parcels coming through and then having to sort them and there's so many different steps of the process but actually seeing you know every time I've come back the progress made but also the consistency in what's happening and the consistency and how much the volunteers really enjoy the space mm -hmm. and just walking in you know there's the friendly smiles and the hi how are you mm -hmm. everyone catches up on their week has a cup of tea together and I just so enjoyed it and Someone coming in who's new to the space, I felt really welcome. Mm -hmm. I felt like it was a really warm environment and it didn't feel like I was imposing or doing anything wrong. I was able to get my hands stuck in really quite quickly. So I do hope that, um, you know, as COVID passes, as restrictions lift, that some of your listeners can also come and visit as well, because it really is a wonderful day to spend a wonderful way to spend your day yeah and uh, that's actually a good point we have had a few people come and visit us at the barn uh, people who've literally traveled from america whatever wow. to south africa and visited us and it's really really special especially if we know their names from mm. the forum and um, then we can see their faces and spend some time with them and i know that they get a huge amount just out of coming to, as you say, spend some time, get their hands uh, on, the, on the squares, yeah. you know, 
I, I just love feeling the, the texture of the squares themselves and putting them into bundles and packing them up into bags and things like that. So that, that very practical and physical work that you do is um, yeah, it's very special. Absolutely. And I think it would be really special to be able to be part of that process, especially if you've sent squares in. Mm. You know, some of the packages we were opening today, some were from Croatia, and they're these huge packages, and mm. we opened them up, and you could see all the different worlds and all the colors, and there was so much intentionality behind the squares and the designs. And it was really special being able to pick those out mm -hmm. and make a blanket out of them, knowing that this was a really thoughtful process. And I was thinking, you know, it would be incredible if the people who knitted these could actually be here yes. to to put their squares together, to see it go off to the Gogos, to be able to be knitted up together, for it to come back, to be photographed mm -hmm. as a blanket, mm -hmm. to be able to do the distribution. There's so much in the process that's really beautiful to see. Um, yes, I really encourage, I mean, I know it's a far way for a lot of people, <laughs> but if you ever are in the area, if you ever are considering coming to South Africa for a holiday, it's a really wonderful wonderful way to spend your day yeah absolutely actually speaking of those croatian parcels that came in i was uh, working next next to sue who's one of our volunteers and i hadn't been in for a week or two but she told me that there were four of these enormous parcels that came in and she said there were 400 squares in each of them which makes 2000 squares <laughs> It's it's incredible, and um, so all very very beautifully packed in uh, bundles of ten and wrapped in plastic, and then rewrapped in a big bundle with mm. duct tape and things, well well packaged up, and then it was for us to uh, to you know separate all the the packs of ten and make piles of uh, squares that would sort of match in size and in texture mm -hmm. uh, and you know if we could get a lovely color scheme going then that too um and yeah brilliant and i mean the variety of of yarns and colors and the variegated yarns that come in are are brilliant because you know i think each country does their own their own sort of yeah. way of of um well certainly the the yarns are dyed differently and then I suppose the knitters put them together differently mm. as well. Yeah, a lot of work, as you say, go into them. Yeah, and that, that difference in texture and variety must be really exciting for a young child getting this blanket because the child's not just going to sit with a blanket and think, oh, I'm warm. They're going to be feeling it and looking at it and mm -hmm. you know, going through the imagination of what's what all the different textures mean and feel like. And there can be so much discovery in that process mm -hmm. and and to be able to have the differing yarns and the differing the weaves is really really beautiful and I think they make such incredible blankets mm -hmm. and hearing you say that I'm, I'm thinking I mean you are a psychologist by training so tell me a little bit about your perception of what um, it might mean to the children to to receive a blanket like that um, just in terms of having a comfort Mm. a comfort thing to hold on to well you're very generous in that I'm a psychologist in training <laughs> but um yes yeah, just thinking about the children and having something that is an object that's both comforting and permanent can be really helpful especially with these children who are underprivileged who may not be having a stable home so have something that can you can actually carry with you mm. that can hold some comfort is huge mm. and actually that can be part of something that really forms 
their early memories, their early comforts. It's not attached to, say, certain family members or certain experiences. It is just this consistent companion that's quite comforting. And I think another one of the things that I really like about these knitted blankets is they are quite heavy. And oftentimes when children are experiencing anxiety, when anyone's experiencing anxiety, your body becomes quite hypersensitive. And weight can actually be really helpful in that. So these slightly heavier blankets can be really helpful in dulling some of that hypersensitivity, which in turn then dulls some of that anxiety, dulls some of, dulls some of that stress. So actually things like weighted blankets, things like slightly heavier blankets can be really helpful for children who've maybe experienced trauma or even are feeling quite ex quite upset, just something that they can hold around them that can really manage some of that hypersensitivity. And I think we can all kind of relate to that when you've been feeling like you've had a bad day, feeling quite upset, having something to wrap around you really brings so much comfort. Mm. And that's what you know, that's what you're doing for these children is you're not just giving them something to keep them warm. Mm -hmm. You're really giving them a sense of comfort. That's so, so valuable. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting point. I've heard of weighted blankets. Um, and I know someone who's an occupational therapist and she's spoken mm. about them before. And apparently they really do help. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think there's, you know, there, there's huge benefit for the children, but I think there's also a huge benefit for everyone who is knitting. Mm -hmm. There's been... Speaking of occupational therapy, there's a really interesting journal article that was published back in 2013 that surveyed nearly 4,000 knitters across the globe on their experience of knitting and how it impacts well-being. Mm, and okay. a huge majority of the participants came back saying that they felt they were calmer and happier and more socially connected just by knitting. And so that was... It showed that the frequency of the knitting increased satisfaction and increased mm -hmm. elements of well-being, which is huge. And I'm sure some of your listeners can also um, attest to that as well. The more frequent your knitting is, the more kind of becomes part of the routine, but actually really um, impacts on your well-being as well, which is huge. And actually, mm -hmm. they're also then looking at the social knitting, which is knitting in groups. Mm -hmm. yeah. And they found that especially in older adults, it was a really really helpful way to get people to communicate mm -hmm. and to form friendships while having something that they were all doing together mm -hmm. but also something to sort of occupy your hands if you're feeling a bit nervous it can actually be a really great way to get groups started is having that craft together everyone's doing something yeah. that's quite similar there's a kind of common element that you can build friendship upon mm -hmm. but really for combating loneliness social knitting was so was so helpful yeah and I think that's there was also something that mentioned in that study thinking about the sense of accomplishment. Yeah. You know, every time you come to the end of a square, every time you come to the end of a blanket, you know, the first thing you're able to knit and complete, being able to send off a huge package is a huge sense of accomplishment. Mm, that's for sure, yeah. And that is also linked to our well-being, which then also links to longevity and memory and cognitive ability. And it's these sort of little daily habits really impacts the longevity of our lives and you know not to say that knitting is going to save your life but it's something that can really really impact and improve the quality of your life yeah. and that's you know that's me seeing it in family and friends but also the research really is showing that mm. and what Knitter Square is doing is it's adding that sense of accomplishment that you're doing something but actually it goes beyond you 
So it's definitely. not just about you. Mm. Suddenly it's impacting a huge community around you. Yeah. I, I hear that from a lot of people who knits, even those that aren't part of knitting groups. Because um, Knitter Square has our forum, our Square mm-hmm. Circle forum. So even if they're not actually in a local knitting group, just the feeling of being part of a, a cause Absolutely. along with other knitters. And because we our forum allows you to put pictures up and share responses like, oh, I love those colors. And, you know, that's such a pretty square and whatever. You know, people are so generous with their comments. It's lovely to to be able to share on that forum and get get feedback. Absolutely. I can imagine the forum especially must have been so helpful um, at the peak of of COVID lockdowns when mm-hmm. everyone was feeling so disconnected, the fact that we're able to connect digitally mm. and share these sort of crafts and share this passion that everyone has mm. is really incredible. Yeah. Actually on that, it's, it's quite interesting for me to look back. I started the podcast in April of 2020, mm-hmm. but when I planned it, um, it was January, 2020. So it was way before we'd actually gone into lockdown. Didn't know anything like this was going to happen. Yes. But the podcast has served its purpose as well in that regard, um, giving members a, a chance to listen to vo- the volunteers on the ground and hear other members around the world and just uh, hear from them about what they love about Knitter Square, what they have found in their knitting, what works for them, little tips, inspirations. It's really, it's it's a lovely um, medium to be able to sort of listen to other people's voices and I've so enjoyed just interacting with everybody. Absolutely. And I think, you know, just listening to the people that you've had on the podcast, the responses that you got, you can see there's a lot of engagement mm-hmm. and a lot of people really enjoying the space to interact and come together in another medium. Mm, for sure. And then I, b- I believe you've been um, following social media and knitting on the social on social media and uh, you've got some things to tell us about that. <laughs> Absolutely. So I was really excited to see um, something quite exciting happening at the Olympics in terms of knitting. So some of you might have seen, especially our listeners in the UK, that there's an Olympian called Tom Daly. He is a young Olympic diver mm-hmm. and he started knitting at the start of lockdown. Mm-hmm. So 29, no, not 2019, 2020, he started knitting. So he's been doing this for about a year now. And mm-hmm. so. he was sharing on his Instagram that he's felt that it's really helped him with some of the anxiety, with sort of managing nerves before big events. And they showed him on TV knitting. And there was this, this sort of big response thinking, what is this guy <laughs> doing? And he, you know, he's early 20s young guy sitting in his little speedo next to the pool Mm -hmm. really not someone you'd expect to have knitting in front of Mm -hmm. him and he's having the best time knitting away (laughs) and there was huge response from this and a lot of people came out saying hey actually I love this too I didn't know other people my age were doing this I didn't know this was something you know that that I could share with other people Mm -hmm. and he started knitting a a little case for his gold medal (laughs) <laughs> which is really sweet. He knitted um, a beanie for his child, um, some jerseys for for himself and his partner. He also knitted a couple of jumpers that he then um, put raffles on on his Instagram. Mm-hmm. And so you, you could enter, get a raffle ticket to win these sort of jumpers that he'd been knitting at the Olympics. Wow. And he raised a huge amount of money for, I think, a brain cancer charity that he wow. was supporting. Yeah. 
Um, and I think his knitting page alone on Instagram now has one and a half million followers. <laughs> so okay. that is huge. That is people who yes. who really have enjoyed watching him do this, who've also picked up needles and started to find the same sort of comfort. Yeah. And it's just been really wonderful to see because it's... It's been something that a lot of people have found during lockdown, a mm-hmm. craft, and they found that that's been really helpful and just really exciting and something new. Um, but actually to also be able to share it with a new generation. Yeah. I knew growing up that um, I always felt that knitting was for grannies because mm-hmm. that's the only people I ever saw knitting. Mm. And then you started knitting and I saw other people in different generations also knitting. And it was really just encouraging to see this because I was thinking, gosh, my friends are going to be doing this soon. Yeah, yeah. And then I actually saw on my Facebook and my Instagram, friends of mine had also started knitting and had started sharing their projects. Yes. And it was just so exciting to see because I think there has been a resurgence in knitting and mm-hmm. I think it's going to continue on in the generations. It's not something that's going to go away anytime soon, which is really encouraging. Yeah, I've picked up from, from the podcast I listened to that uh, it's not just a um, sort of a, an older generation hobby anymore. It Absolutely. really is uh, becoming quite sort of trendy, but it's supported by by other crafts that sort of surround it. So it's your um, your spinning and your dyeing and you know um, various uh, yarn fiber. Well, they call it they call them fiber arts, making art yarn and things like that out mm. of real sheep sheep. What do you call it? Sheep wool. <laughs> I was thinking hair. <laughs> Sheep wool. <laughs> um, but um, there's there's quite an industry, and it's quite an artistic industry, creative. Um, and so the 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 knitting and the crochet part of it is sort of your making your garments or your yeah. Uh, squares or whatever with with the actual fiber that you've made but but what i'm saying is there's there's there really is a big resurgence and it's good to see um and like you say it is such a um it, it's a very expressive hobby and i like the fact that because it's so practical it's a something that you really do with your hands um it 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 sort of meets a different sort of need it's not it's not necessarily um, a very emotional need. It's not. It's not an intellectual need, mm-hmm. but it's that need that you just need to be doing something productive with your hands. Um, often, how how you would sort of spend your time if you're on your own a lot. Um, and my sister always says to me, "It's so relaxing watching me knit." Yes, <laughs> you know, it's a sort of a meditative um, activity, and I certainly find it very relaxing. Absolutely. And, I, you know, you mentioned fiber arts there and we've seen a bit of a movement within the art therapy community mm. of using the fiber arts and they've started using it for trauma patients. And okay. the reason why it's so effective is exactly what you're saying, using your hands. So there's something about the rep- the repetition of mm-hmm. it and the fact that it's really tactile and that's really grounding. You're using something, you're having to be aware of your body, mm. you're having to concentrate, but while you're concentrating, also doing something that's quite rhythmic, quite repetitive. Mm. And that really, again, softens the nervous system when it's overactive, but also can be something that can really bring you back into yourself, really ground you, really sort of manage racing thoughts, anything Mm. like that. And so they've been using it with, with trauma patients and it's been hugely successful, but they've actually now recommended it for therapists as well. 
So for therapists okay. to actually use it to manage our own well-being. Right. So it's it's incredible to see that that you know just the research on its own is showing this is really important and this is really helpful and I think what we're seeing is that for so long so many people have known the benefits of knitting Mm -hmm. and now we're starting to actually use it in a therapeutic space and we're starting to prescribe it Mm. i've had many patients um start knitting or start crocheting start with crafts and it's been a huge source of comfort source of mindfulness um one of the other things that can be really helpful is also managing expectations of perfectionism. Yes. So I think oftentimes we can be really hard yeah. on ourselves and we want something to be really good. Otherwise, we don't want to do it. Yeah. And it can be a huge hurdle to even get started on a new craft because yes. it's hard to do something that you're not good at. Mm-hmm. So having to first manage those sorts of things of, oh, I'm going to mess up. Mm-hmm. But then also actually getting to the end of a square and looking at it and being like, it's not perfect, but it's good enough. And yeah. that's great. Yeah. That's what we need. We need good enough. Yes. And there's still accomplishment yes. in good enough. And being able to manage and challenge that, that perfectionism mm-hmm. just in your daily crafts really then impacts other parts of your life. Mm-hmm. So there's so many different concepts that we can kind of bring back to a really practical, tactile thing that you're yeah. doing every day. And... Another one of the things that I read that was so encouraging was they've actually seen with the increase in frequency in knitting, they've been, there's been an increase in cognitive functioning. Wow. That is That involves things like memory, involves things like attention span, mm-hmm. um, being able to process and problem solve, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. And actually, they've now been using that as well in dementia care. Wow. Which is incredible. So it seems like, this is early research, but it mm-hmm. seems like it's been really helpful in slowing down some of the deterioration. Yeah. It's been helpful in also building social bonds when family members have come in to to knit with their loved ones or when carers have mm. knitted with, with the people they're caring for. It's really, really interesting to see actually how we can use quite a simple craft to really impact well-being on many different levels from our day-to-day well-being that everyone needs to, you know, keep an eye on and make sure they're keeping themselves well to really dire situations where people need something to get them through the day. Knitting is actually something that can be used across the spectrum. Well, I mean, that's that's interesting because it brings to mind, you know, I suppose 100 years ago or so, knitting was a form of making garments, you yeah. know, when it was expensive to buy factory made or whatever or tailor made you you make your own and so i suppose it was just um sort of a something that everybody did out of necessity mm-hmm. um now we're in a completely different world we buy our clothes off the rail you know mm-hmm. <laughs> um and it's much cheaper to buy jerseys and blankets and things uh, off the rail uh, you know just the the factory produced ones handmade stuff is actually really quite special yeah it it has it has something um really quite there's a there's an element of of love in it or of time being taken of intentionality and somebody actually sitting down to spend I mean, it takes me an hour at least to do a square. You know, you're thinking 35 squares at 35 hours. And then you've got the sewing up and the edging. It's incredible. That's well over 40 hours of work being put into a blanket, which is Mm. um, quite a, 
a labor it is <laughs> you know yeah. and then like you say on top of that layered on top of that is all the the therapeutic value of the of the knitting and everything mm-hmm. so we're coming at it from a very very different point of view these days but i think we you know with covid um with lockdown and everything we've we've needed to find in our traditions yes those kind of healing and therapeutic uh, advantages because gosh our world is is lacking in those things isn't it with you know there's just so much pressure um absolutely and if we're if we're using technology day in and day out if we're on our computers or our phones all day everything is so automated that actually mm-hmm. we've lost a lot of those traditional um activities that lasted many more years than we've had technology for mm. of actually doing things with our hands being quite practical um, making something every day having that accomplishment from that rather than being able to run a machine that can do all of it for us. And I think that's a big thing that, yeah, you're right, has come out of lockdown is finding a lot more um, satisfaction in traditional crafts, Mm. in getting outside and going for a walk. Absolutely. It seemed like everyone's worlds slowed down for a bit. Yes. And while it's been a really difficult time, I think a lot of people have actually been able to sit back and say, Hey, what do I want to take out of this time with me? Absolutely. Do I want to get back to the fast pace that I was at before? Maybe yes. But maybe I also want to involve some of those more slower Mm. hours in my day. Mm. How can I intentionally bring that mindful, more peaceful aspect into my daily life? And that might be sitting down for an hour each day with a cup of tea Mm -hmm. knitting rather than running about and doing something at the end of your work day mm. or running after the kids or getting onto another phone call, right. but actually being able to take time, set aside in your day and do mm. something that's really meaningful. Yeah. And the nice thing about like knitting for charity is that it does take you right out of your own life and your own drama. And it focuses your attention on somebody else whose needs are very different from your own. Yeah. Um, and in the case of Knitter Square, it's obviously the very vulnerable children. They're often orphaned. They're um, from, you know, very difficult and broken mm-hmm. backgrounds. Uh, and to be able to knit a square and put it into a blanket that is going to keep one of those children warm, it really is a very generous and self-sacrificing thing to do. Um, so you sort of, even though you're doing something good for yourself, mm. it's taking yourself out of yourself and um, sort of extending your influence into the world and being able to touch somebody who's far away. Absolutely. And I think it's quite a different act from, from just, say, donating money, which is obviously an incredible thing to do and a very generous thing to do. Mm. But I think when you're knitting, you're also, you are having to put out the cost of the knitting, the time, the postage, all those sorts <laughs> of things. But actually within that as well, there's so much love and care and intentionality that goes into that. Yeah. And... You know, just seeing how involved the members of No Square are in every aspect and as involved as they can be from every part of the world mm-hmm. just shows that this movement goes beyond just supporting a child in Africa. It really is something yeah. that a lot of people have brought into their lives and find a lot of meaning in. You're absolutely right. Absolutely. Well, it's just lovely to get your feedback. Um, it was lovely having you at the barn today, but hearing you talk about it so enthusiastically, it really warms my heart. <laughs> I'm sure the members enjoy hearing that too. Sure. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much.
everybody, I'm going to wrap it up there, but I just want to say that this is actually the last episode in our season two of the Nutter Square podcast. Um, we, I'm going to take a break for a couple of months, but I want to say that if you are subscribed to one of the podcast apps, you can stay subscribed, which will en- enable you to get notification of the next, um, the first episode of the next season when it appears. If you're not subscribed to an app, you can just keep looking out on the forum. Um, and if you are a member of the Nusquare forum, you will also receive the snippets, our newsletter, in your email inbox. Um, and you'll be able to hear what's on when it comes up next. If you have any suggestions for future episodes, uh, or if you'd like to be on the podcast as a guest, I welcome you. It's um, quite a challenge for me to reach out and and get people who are willing and available (laughs) to come on the podcast. So if you have a a moment and you think you have something to share, please get in touch. My, My email address is attached to the podcast and you can find it there. Um, But it's been lovely being with you for season two, and I hope that you've enjoyed everything I've brought to you. Um, If you are stuck for something to listen to for the next couple of months, remember that we have uh, 16 episodes of season one and 16 episodes of season two. So you can go back and listen to past episodes to keep yourself occupied while you are busy knitting and crocheting. So that's all from me and um, keep well, take care and happy knitting. This is Leanne Hunt casting off. You can find show notes at www.knit-a-square.com slash kas-podcast. Please tell your friends about this podcast if you've enjoyed it and you can share links on Facebook, Twitter and wherever your knitting friends congregate. Together we are bringing hope to South Africa's vulnerable children one square at a time.